You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode 76. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a great day today. It is a beautiful day here where I live. We've had like this random snowstorm recently, so it's so nice to have another sunny day and feel like spring is coming back. We had like second winter recently. I don't know where you guys live, but here in Nevada, it seems like it always tricks you a little bit with the weather it'll be like sunny and warm and then all of a sudden more snow and then it's sunny and warm and then we'll probably get one more snowstorm again before (laughs) it is like actual spring but I am enjoying it while I can Um, but I'm uh, really excited for you guys to listen to today's episode and it is a long conversation but such a good conversation that I have so I don't want to talk too much and take too much of your time because I want to get into the conversation but I got to sit down and chat with Kirsten Robinson, who is a Western content creator and a first-generation cattle rancher, and she's currently living in central Montana with her fiance, Logan. And I just want to start this off by saying that Kirsten is, I don't know what I was expecting from this conversation, but she was so easy to talk to, and it just like took me by surprise a little bit. Not that I like wasn't expecting that, but uh, I don't know. You just never know like how conversations are going to go when you do these interviews. And she is just somebody that I genuinely could see myself just hanging out with and being friends with. She's so easy to talk to. She's so fun and bubbly and lighthearted. And I just, I love that. And I love people like that. That just makes my heart so happy. So we got to talk about everything from her journey that it took to getting into first generation ranching and what that looks like, tips for other people that are trying trying to do the same and then we also dive pretty deep into her content creation journey and how she's kind of mixed that in with her ranching lifestyle and how she's able to grow her social media so quickly and working on brand deals and how she gets brand deals and media kits and just everything so if any of that sounds good to you and you want to hear about it and just listen to how sweet Kirsten is as a human being then stick around because here we go. Hey there, my name is Sarah Elrod, and you're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, where we talk about marketing, social media, branding, content creation, Western lifestyle, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. I'm a cowgirl turned full-time entrepreneur. I've done everything from wedding photography to horse training, business coaching, and more. My mission is to help other Western women and men grow thriving businesses so that they can live out that small town dream life that they love while achieving bigger goals than they ever could have imagined. If you're ready to put in the work, grow your business, grow your brand, and enjoy the little things in life, and of course, get a little rowdy too, then you are in the right place, my friend. Let's do this. It's no secret that I love to shop. Even on those days where my hair is a mess and I have leggings on for the third day in a row, nothing can beat that feeling of getting a package in the mail with a new shirt that you have been eyeballing for months or a dress that makes you feel so excited for springtime. And especially now as an expecting mother, I have to get a little creative with my outfits while still trying to keep up with the Western fashion trends that I love so much. Luckily, one of my favorite boutiques has me covered. Farm Girl Boutique is not your average clothing boutique. They have everything from women's to men's to kids 
to home decor, farm and garden gifts, and so much more. Truly a one-stop shop for the whole family. And one of my favorite parts about Farm Girl is that the styles are so timeless, you will never feel like you're purchasing something that is only trendy for right now, and then you have to move on to the next thing. Your Farm Girl pieces are going to last in your closet no matter where the fashion industry takes us. So if that sounds good to you, then head over to farmgirlboutique.com and use code SARAHE10 at checkout to save 10% on your next order. Or you can also go to sarahelrod.com slash farmgirl to get a direct link as well. That's farmgirlboutique.com and use code SARAHE10 at checkout to save 10%. Happy shopping. Thank you so much for being here, Kirsten, and for coming on the show and like being willing to chat and share your knowledge and all the things. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me, for inviting me. Yes, absolutely. So for anybody who like is listening and maybe hasn't heard of you or doesn't know who you are or what you do, do you want to just like maybe introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kirsten. Um, on Instagram, I am hashtag ranch life. So I am currently living in central Montana and I'm managing a beef cattle operation with my fiance, Logan. Um, so we started this journey here in Montana uh, last spring. So we haven't been here quite a year, but um, we're loving it so far. So yes, we're both first generation ranchers. Um, Logan's dad does have a small beef cattle operation and we've both kind of grown up around farming and definitely in rural communities, but we've never personally done um, any ranching or farming on a large scale. So yeah, so it's kind of been exciting that way. Um, being first generation ranchers is something that I feel like um, we're proud of, but also something that um, is hard, especially in a community that we live in, uh, where most of the ranches are very generational. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and it, it's cool because the operation we work for um, is owned and operated by uh, two different gentlemen that are also first generation as well. So they're both veterans and they uh, worked together in the military. And then um, after getting out of the military, wanted to get into ranching. So yeah, so it's kind of a cool chain of first generation there. Um, but yeah, so I've enjoyed being able to kind of share my journey and I guess my journey with Logan as well um, <laughs> into ranching uh, through Instagram and social media and being able to do that while sharing things I love like horses and Western fashion has been really great. So yeah. Yeah. I love, I mean, all of your content is just so good. Cause I love how you bring in all the different aspects from like fashion to like actual ranching and like all the things all into one. And I think you just do such a good job at touching all those different bases. So, and I definitely want to like hit a little bit on all of them, but I kind of just want to go back first. Like, how did you meet your fiance? Like, was he, I know you said his dad has kind of already been doing it on a smaller scale, but was that like, did you guys grow up around each other? Like, how'd you guys end up connecting? It's kind of a cool story. We've actually lived many places together. Um, we've been together almost, almost five years and we've lived, I think in six different states. Um, so yeah, we've definitely lived kind of all over, but we met in Colorado. So, um, after I graduated from college, I moved out West and worked on a ranch out there. 
so I was there for about five years and my fourth summer, uh, Logan came to work there. So we met there. Um, it is a, both a guest ranch and a working ranch. So um, we were seasonal at the time. And yeah, so we dated our first summer and then we ended up living in Minnesota because he's from kind of the Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, right on the border there. So we lived in Minnesota and decided we really wanted to go back to the ranch one, one more year together. So we did that. Um, and yeah, then we took a little break from the ranch, like cattle, horses, ranching kind of stuff. And he actually got offered a position to do hunting guiding um, in Kansas, right on the Kansas-Missouri border. So we lived in Wisconsin for just a little bit near his family until we got offered that job. And uh, we both worked on the hunting ranch together. Um, I always kind of have had horses in my life, whether it was my full-time job or um, just kind of side gigs and whatnot, but that's definitely my big passion. So, um, but yeah, so that's where we met. Um, I could go on with the story, but it kind of ties in later into how we got into um, the ranch where we are and ranching in general. And it also all wraps into um, the social media stuff as well. So I'll, I'll pause there and I'm, I get very chatty. So it's easy for me to keep talking. <laughs> no, you're good. I love it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm so curious because I think being a first generation rancher is such, I mean, me and my husband are literally like chasing that same dream. When I met him, he was up in very like Northeast Montana, like tiny, tiny town, and he was like cowboying up there, like trying to start businesses to like get, get something going. And then he met me and we only knew <laughs> each other for like a short amount of time. And I was like, sorry, bro, I'm not ready to move for you quite yet. So yeah. he ended up moving for me and I just like plucked him right on out of it. And now I'm like, well, sorry, I feel bad because now we're chasing the same dream you were already chasing, but you know, long right. story short, here we are. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard. And I feel like something we get when we talk about like wanting to have like a cattle ranch, people think that we're just saying like, oh, you know, we want a couple acres and like a couple cows and whatever. And that's fine. And of course, like we'll take what we can get for starting out. But, you know, we're looking at doing something that is so much bigger than that. And I think yeah. that's hard for people to like fully wrap their brains around and how much money something like that costs. <laughs> Yes, to fund all of that. And so, I mean, do you have any, like, I mean, I want to hear your story about how you got into it and then just how you were able to, I guess, accomplish those things. Cause I know for us, like, if we're going to do it, we're going to have to go back to where he was because that's just where his connections are. And it's going to have to be, you know, we have to help out, you know, work with the neighbors and they're going to have to help us do stuff. Cause there's just no way we can drop a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it definitely is is a pretty penny to to do the ranching um, from the ground up. But yeah, so I guess for us, I mean, um, at Drowsy Water, so that's the guest ranch that we worked at. Um, as I said, they are a working ranch as well. So myself, especially, I got to do a lot of stuff with the cattle. So before the before and after the guests arrived, so I learned a lot there as far as. Um, branding and tagging and, you know, calving, things like that. Um, so that was kind of where I sort of found my passion for it, I guess. That's where I feel like 
I really started to enjoy doing things with horses for cattle because I grew up showing and riding horses, but mostly in 4-H and quarter horse and things like that. So it's just a totally different atmosphere than using a horse for working and for moving cattle and things like that. So um, I definitely found my passion there. And in the years after the ranch, we always talked about how cool it would be to go back and um, do kind of a couple's ranching position like we do now. Um, It's something that's really to me is really a special kind of role and kind of job because obviously it's a job where you live, where you work. Um, but that is a perk of it too, because most ranching couples live right there. I mean, we don't have much of a commute to work, you know, it's not can be in your own house to eat. And it's something that we definitely want to continue doing when we start to raise a family, because we think it's just the ultimate way to raise kids and teach responsibility and things like that. So so anyways, but it is, you know, there are sacrifices as well. I think living where you work is super beneficial and mostly positive, but it's obviously negative too. In that when the day is done and the work is over, you know, you sit at home and always think of other things going on outside that you can be taken care of and, you know, animals you should be checking on and things like that. So it's for us, it's been really good to try to, you know, turn it off. And obviously we're still here. We're still present. If, were needed or if, you know, things happen, but to try to have other things to look forward to, which is one thing that, um, definitely one reason, I guess, that I do the social media stuff. It's kind of a nice way to focus my energy on something different when I do have the time to do it and in a different way, kind of that creative aspect. But anyways, like I said, I get really chatty. No, you're good. The ranching thing. So we always talked about it. Um, when we were living in Kansas, Missouri, kind of right there on the border. Um, we did actually talk to that hunting ranch about getting cattle. We're like, you know, we could kind of start this because Logan is very into hunting outfitting. That's definitely his passion, but he likes the the cattle and the ranching stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about getting cattle for them and maybe some horses and it was mostly a ranch where people came for like exclusive waterfowl hunts and um, corporate meetings and retreats and things like that. So they already obviously had kind of the base to start it. And it was something that they had said in the future, but um, obviously it wasn't the future of us being there. So basically I was, Logan was kind of doing his dream thing with the uh, whitetail guides and everything, but I was mostly working in the office and it really just wasn't, wasn't my scene. I love being outside. I love physical labor, things like that. Um, so we started doing some searching, mostly me for just ranch work nearby. Kansas, of course, has tons of cattle and things. And very randomly, I got offered a position to manage a beef cattle operation in Northern Alabama. Wow. So, yeah. You guys have been <laughs> all over. <laughs> we have. So super random, um, random location. Um, it was kind of a person. So I, we, I had an ad, um, online for like, you know, one of the ranch job kind of sites. And I had an ad with Logan and they had reached out and said, you know, we really could use a manager. We would take both of you or just one of you. And, you know, it was just, it was a really big operation, which I didn't really even know existed in Alabama. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we kind of talked about it and decided, you know, 
Logan was right in the middle of hunting season. It wasn't really the best time for him to leave. It was, like I said, kind of his dream job, but this was sort of my big break to get into ranching again and to get a lot of experience under my belt. So I took the job. He stayed in Kansas. I went to Alabama. Um, so we did long distance after being together almost four years. So not super pleasant, but enough of a relationship foundation that obviously it was fine um, and worked out, you know, we did make the 11 hour drive a couple of times, <laughs> so especially him more, a lot more than me. Yeah. So really thankful for that. But so, yeah, so anyways, I, I worked there. We had um, about 800 pairs. So mamas and babies. So it was taking the plunge very quickly into a big operation. Um, we had stalker cattle as well. So we had about 250 stalker steers. Um, so it was really obviously a ton, a ton of experience kind of all at once. It was super overwhelming, um, but I'm very thankful for that experience. And that was kind of my first big management role, but it was also probably my biggest learning role um, as far as beef cattle go. I did grow up in Ohio and it's very rural, um, but I would say there's a lot more dairy operations, at least on a larger scale. Um, there are beef cattle producers, but a lot of people in our area raised small herds of beef cattle, mostly for showing, you know, showing steers okay. and whatnot. So more show cattle than um, for commercial herds and production and, and whatnot. So, so anyways, I was there for a while. That was um, the beginning of last year. And uh, like I said, I learned a ton about, we had a feedlot and we brought all the steers in pretty much weekly to weigh them. And we sold at the local stockyards. And so I learned about that whole aspect, which I really loved. Um, but it was hard <laughs> for me and Logan uh, being apart. And um, like I said, our ad on Ranch World, it kind of stays up for a while on there. So we would randomly get inquiries and just kind of say, you know, sure or no. And usually, you know, it, it never hurts to just hear someone out as far as opportunities, you know, if it's something that'll better you or better your experiences. So, um, we had a couple different opportunities come up in Montana and it was always sort of our dream to move back out West, whether it was Colorado, Wyoming, Montana. Um, we weren't really particular. We just knew that we wanted to be back in the mountains and up at high altitude mm -hmm. places that didn't have rattlesnakes. <laughs> through that <laughs> yeah. we definitely had rattlesnakes in kansas we both killed a couple it was aggressive oh, um yeah <laughs> so anyways we were ready ready to get away from poisonous things and live somewhere high enough that, that they could not True. um but yeah so long story short we we found this place and um did some interviews it felt like just a really good fit for us and in about three weeks time we gave our notice packed up both the houses with their stuff and you hauled up here and I actually brought so we had a dog and six chickens and the chickens <laughs> and the dog rode inside my truck with me no joke and from Kansas to South Dakota we stayed in South Dakota in a hotel um the entire way they laid the eggs <laughs> I kid you not. They were just squawking and clucking. Happy as can be. I had a little sheet. They were over in a dog kennel with like a sheet around it. And I would peek every once in a while. They would all just be laying there. And yeah, every single one laid eggs the two days that we drove. Oh and when God. we stayed at the hotel, I just cracked the window a little and said goodnight. 
<laughs> I love that so much. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. My parents would call to check in. They'd be like, rah, 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 in the back. <laughs> so yes, we made the whole check with the entire family. Um, yeah. So, and this is our first role, obviously we've worked places like the same place together, but this is our first role where we've kind of actually worked together. Um, and it's really interesting because I feel like it's the best that we've ever gotten along and the best dynamic we've ever had as far as our relationship. So it's really funny that working side by side and living together and, you know, all of that has actually been better for us than, um, being apart and some other jobs where we work separately. So kind of fun that way, but that's sort of our, our timeline and our journey into ranching. So it's been pretty wild and, um, we're definitely over the moving and the packing thing, but all the moves have been worth it. We've definitely gotten all kinds of experience from all over. So it is kind of cool that way for sure. Oh, I love that so much. And I love that you guys have just been to so many places. We were kind of the same way. I mean, we haven't been to quite as many States, but I mean, we moved a lot too. We went from, I mean, he moved from Montana to, I was in California at the time. And then he, we both moved from there to North Dakota because he was working in the oil fields. And then we moved back this way to Nevada and like, it's just like back and forth, back and forth. (laughs) And yeah, we did the same thing. It was like a quick turnaround because we were only in North Dakota for like, he was there for, I guess, almost a year, but we did long distance for a little bit. And then I moved out there for like literally three months. And then we, he took a job (laughs) out here. So then we came back this way and oh my gosh, it was just crazy. It was really fun. Lots of road tripping, but like craziest couple months of my life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and that's the thing because our relationship started at a seasonal job. So it kind of comes with the territory, you know, because when we met, we both still knew we had another summer um, at that ranch in us. So it was sort of like we knew we'd move somewhere and move back because, you know, you need to have a job in the winter, of course. And um although it would have been fun to be a ski bum, we're kind of, you know, more, I guess, I don't want to say more ambitious. That sounds terrible, but we didn't want to just stay in one town. And we're like, you know, it's an opportunity to move somewhere, try something different. So um, yeah, for pretty much those first two years, every six months we were moving and it was just the nature of the job, you know, I'd rather move and have, you know, kind of that movement on our resumes than just say that we stayed there and got a job at the local, you know, grocery store or whatever, just so we didn't have to leave. So it was kind of, it was a lot of work for sure. But, um, like I said, I feel like every experience we've had has added to our value professionally and personally. So it's been good. I think that's such a big thing. And I love that you like brought that up that like you would take just like the random little odd jobs, whether it is working in a grocery store or wherever that might be like in between things. Cause I think that's something else too, where no matter what you're doing, I feel like people can look at stuff like that. Like if you have to have some other job to like help fund your dream or like keep going in the lifestyle you want to go in, they almost look at that as like a bad thing. But I think it's so important to put it out there of like, it's not a bad thing. Like if you need to get, you know, another job in between things, like that's not an issue because everybody has slow seasons, you know, no matter what you're doing. So yeah. For sure. Well, and you know, for me too, I know everyone's different, but for me, like I have to be enjoying what I'm doing and, and at least be able to be passionate about it to some degree, you know, even if it's not my dream job, like for instance, one year before I met Logan, um, I actually got this marketing job, 
um, between seasons at Drowsy Water. And it was an office job, but it paid really well. It was my first kind of like adult, you know, quote unquote job (laughs) with benefits and all that. Mm -hmm. And I was there, I think for maybe two months and I was like, I can't do this. Like no paycheck is worth this. I just, I couldn't sit in the office. Like I couldn't train people to do like cold calling and all, you know, I was like, none of it was in my blood. And I was like, I just can't do this. I literally quit and milked cows for $11 an hour for like four months before I went back to the ranch. And I loved it. I was obsessed. I was like, I would get up at four every morning and hang out with these cows and sleep during the day, literally have like a hamster sleep cycle just to do something that I enjoy. You know, I knew I was making a difference um, and things like that, like just those little moments where whether it be horses or other areas of agriculture, I just like have this feeling that I'm so proud and, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm making $11 an hour. I'm supporting an industry and supporting a lifestyle that is, is meaningful to me. So anyways, that's a little, a little snippet of my past. It's kind yeah. of funny. No, it's so true. So now that you're like in this world, or, I mean, you've been in it and just all that, like, what would you say is the hardest thing that you've had to go through or like a challenge you've had to kind of overcome with that? And then on the flip side of that, what's like maybe your favorite part about it or, or something that you just really love about it? Yeah. So as far as challenging, I, personally, I'm definitely a perfectionist. So with any job, the learning curve portion of the job where you're kind of getting acclimated and, um, you know, just sort of getting your feet wet to the position and and the area and all that is never comfortable for me. I don't Mm -hmm. like feeling like I'm not good at things or like I'm new or, you know, it's just, it's not really in my personality. So it's definitely an uncomfortable feeling for me. So that was really difficult at both my management, um, ranching positions. So, you know, coming here, it was definitely intimidating too, because there is, um, as you, you know, most Western states are, it's just so vast, you know, it's not like Alabama where we had 2000 acres and that was more than enough grass for that many cattle, but here, you know, it's just, it's just different at high altitude. Um, so land is so much bigger and things are so much more spread out and it, and it is a lot more rugged. Um, we live in a, in an area that is pretty remote. We're about 35 minutes from gas and groceries and, you know, it's not terrible, but, um, you know, I mean, it's eight miles to our mailbox. So like, there's definitely yeah. you're, you're out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, like my second week of work, I was out checking cows on one of the horses, you know, still getting used to all the ranch horses still getting used to where the fence lines are, where the pastures are. And I saw a mama bear with three cubs and I'm like up on this hill all by myself, no service, you know, and it was amazing. It was one of those moments that's so humbling. It's like, here I am just figuring it out. And (laughs) bear is just living her life. So of course I left and, you know, went a different way, but just one of those things that, you know, it's so exciting. And like I said, it's kind of comes with the job. It's, it's a sacrifice in some ways to be ranching and especially ranching somewhere remote and quite rugged. Um, but it's definitely really rewarding. So that's been the hardest thing for me is just getting, getting in the groove of things. Cause like I said, I want to be good at everything that I do. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> so, um, uh, being a perfectionist like that, 
makes things difficult. And I have definitely seen that come to light um, with wedding planning. So <laughs> it's oh. like, I just, wanna, I just wanna plan the shower and plan all the bachelorette stuff and plan everything. And my mom and dad and every all my friends are like, just relax, like somebody else can help. And yeah, yeah I'm just a control freak. I'm very type A, um, it's just in my nature. So that, that kind of relates into my, my work as well. So it's like, you know, I want to get along really well with every ranch horse and, you know, see every sick calf and get them doctored and know every fence line. And, you know, being like that, I feel like also gets you to that spot in a hurry because there's not a lot of time to feel that discomfort in a role. Um, but it's definitely not my favorite part (laughs) starting, starting at the beginning is never, never enjoyable for me. But on the flip side, I would say, um, something that, is really great about it is when that discomfort goes away and you feel like I know exactly where these cows are and then point it out on a map. And we actually just started a new software um, at the ranch and we were doing all the mapping and it's so weird. You can look at lines on the map if the fence lines and know like in your mind what it looks like, you know, and it's like, okay, finally, finally have this place kind of dialed in, you know, where you can know, oh, there's a water trough right here. And this is where the cows broke the fence over the summer. And, you know, that's when it's really rewarding when you're like, I know exactly what's going on. And um, just, you know, kind of feeling, I don't want to ever say you're feeling comfortable because with ranching, I don't know if there's ever like a hundred percent comfort just because, you know, with any livestock, things are predictable. Things happen. Weather happens. I mean, we had a huge drought year this year in Montana. So feed was scary. Hay was down. You know, we had to buy a lot more than they normally do. Um, We obviously harvested a lot less. So yeah, I mean, you just never know. And we've been really fortunate with things like predators, but we have a lot of neighbors around here that have had some issues with wolves and coyotes. And we've been fortunate to not have that. Um, And we're pretty actively out there kind of checking and patrolling and they're close to the houses during the winter, luckily. So um, they're not up in the mountains where all those predators are, but, but yeah. So anyways, that's been really rewarding. It's just feeling like, you know, you can finally get into a rhythm and do the job really well. Cause you're not worried about just messing things up and, you know, if you're doing it right, things like that. So that's definitely the, the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'm kind of the same way. And that's what's so, it's so intimidating to step into something that is new. Cause I kind of grew up like you where horses, like I grew up with horses and then, but it was just kind of more the fun side of horses, like a couple yeah. little, you know, competitions here and there, but like just, you know, backyard riding, nothing too crazy. And then all of a sudden I got thrown into this mix of like, working cow horses and that whole thing. And I love it too, but it it was so different. And, you know, my husband views a horse as like a tool and it's just a working animal. And I'm like, Oh, cute baby, (laughs) whatever, you know? So it's like, we had to kind of meet in the middle somewhere with all that, but, um, yeah, it's, and it's hard though. Cause I mean, he's very like in tune with a lot of this stuff. And I like got thrown into this mix where like, I knew horse stuff, but then all of a sudden he's like all this stuff about cattle. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's frustrating (laughs) because I'm like, I want to (laughs) know. And I remember going to like my first branding with him. And I was like, I don't even like, I don't know. I'm scared to be a part of it because I don't want to mess it up. And he's like, you're never going to learn if you don't do it. And I'm just like, oh, stress. (laughs) 
totally get it. And, you know, even before I applied to some of the management positions, you know, I totally felt inferior. I was like, I've not, I mean, you know, you can't get into something unless you try to, but a lot of times like people don't want you if you don't have experience. So it's just that thing. And that's with any job, you know, if you've never worked in a bridal salon, then they're probably not going to want you to come and hook people up with their wedding dress, but you know, everybody has to start somewhere. So I did a lot of, um, the BQA courses and I did like the masters of beef advocacy and stuff like that, just to kind of get a little more background, sort of immerse myself in the industry a little bit. You know, I joined when we lived in Missouri, I joined like the Missouri cattle women's association association. And, um, that way I could be kind of around other like-minded gals and, you know, make that connection that way. So I do feel like that's always good advice. And that's why I try to tell people, I have a ton of people that message me on Instagram and say, you're a first generation rancher, you know, what's your advice? And my biggest advice is just two things to immerse yourself in the industry, really educate, um, join things, you know, you can join all of the different NCBA, all of those things without cattle, you know, you can click and and it's a lot cheaper to be a part of those without paying for, you know, your herd. Mm -hmm. So you're just there as a member. Um, and the fees aren't bad. You usually, you know, I get like working ranch magazine and listen to the radio show and just things that give you knowledge, you know, you're expanding your, your knowledge and your brain and your sources there, because that will help you when you're able to actually expand your experiences. So the other thing that I always tell people is find somebody that is willing to teach you. The ranching industry has kind of like these gates, you know, Mm -hmm. and some people let their gates swing wide open and let you in with open arms and teach you everything they know. And some people keep those gates locked and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, everybody has a different approach. Um, to their operation, whether it be a family operation or, or whatever, but find somebody whose gates are wide open and be totally open and honest. You know, the worst thing I feel like that you can do is go into an operation and say, oh yeah, I've been there, done that, you know, whatever. And then they're like, okay, you know, give these shots. Like, okay. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Don't fake it until you make it. (laughs) Right. This is not that situation. Yeah. No, be totally honest. Say I'm totally green or I have this experience X, Y, Z. And I want to learn this. You know, that's the thing. Like, just like you said about horses, I grew up riding, grew up showing totally comfortable with that. But something I would absolutely love to get better at, especially living somewhere that it's such a big thing, is packing and riding in the backcountry. You know, Logan loves to hunt. I love to be outside camping, hiking, things like that. And to be able to train horses to pack and take them out and, you know, safely put on hobbles and have a backcountry camp would be incredible. But, you know, I can't go into anything and say, sure, I'm just going to pack the hobbles. (laughs) Right. Like I could probably get by, but I I'm very worried about safety, especially with horses and things like that. And being in the middle of the woods, the middle of nowhere. So yeah, kind of the same thing. I feel like anything with ranching horses, agriculture, be totally honest with where you are and where you want to be. And there's going to be somebody that's like totally willing to show you everything because there just is. It's a big world. Um, and it's a small world, I guess, in its own little ways, but there's always somebody out there that is going to take you under their wing and connections, you know, really are 
everything, especially in this world. So oh, 100%. Yeah, no, I think that's all just like really great advice. And, and it is, it's, it's one of those things where you just have to be humble enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. <laughs> and like you said, some people are willing to, some people aren't, but um, no, I, I love that. So tell me a little bit about how you got started then with like social media in the midst of all of this and how you kind of tie the two together and what social media has done for you and just all the things. Yes. So it actually kind of goes back to when we lived in Kansas slash Missouri. I always say both because we live like right on the border. But um, when we were working there, like I said earlier, I was working um, more of an office job. I did some stuff kind of outside on the ranch, but for the most part, I was behind a computer and in meetings and things like that. So definitely not my style. And there were a lot of things about it that I enjoyed, but I did go home most days feeling like something was just lacking. You know, I was like, something's missing. Obviously I wasn't really riding horses at the time. So, you know, part of me was like, maybe I should find a barn to ride at. Maybe that would fill the void. And I was like, no, I think I need something that totally kind of fulfills me in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I've always working at um, the ranch in Colorado. I always had these amazing photos of like morning roundup. I mean, we had over 120 horses lived in the Rocky mountains, you know, so I just had all these photos. I was like, I feel like I need to be sharing these, you know? And I always kind of felt like, I I hate the word influencing, but doing content creation was something that I would enjoy. Um, especially like the horse side of it. There were a couple times when I worked, um, in Colorado that I did some little photo shoots for fun with girls on the ranch and the horses and just loved it. You know, it wasn't necessarily the photo part of it. It was just kind of tying things that I love together. Cause I love fashion love the mountains, love horses. So it's just, it was just really fun. And I always thought about it in the back of my mind. So when I was kind of feeling down, feeling like things were lacking in life, um, it was right kind of in the middle of my time, um, at the hunting ranch. And so it was like January of 2020. So right before COVID <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to start this account. I told Logan, I was like, cause we, we had been dreaming a lot at that time of, getting our own cattle. And I got, um, registered a livestock brand in Missouri and in Kansas, you know, that had both of our kind of initials in it. And it was like, Kristen and Logan, it was our little dream. You know, we talked a lot about it. Um, yeah. the house we lived in was ranch property, but it did have, um, pastures and corrals and things like that. So my mind was just always spinning, you know, about the possibilities. So I was like, I'm going to start this account and share photos from the past, from Drowsy Water, and talk about where I came from, where that passion started, and where we want to be, and kind of take people on this whole journey. Mm -hmm. So um, that's sort of where it started. You know, I was living in this house. We, at the time, we were living in Missouri. We lived in two different houses during our time there, one in Kansas, one in Missouri, but we lived in this house. It was so pretty. <laughs> no offense to Missouri people, but I would never expect to fall in love with Missouri <laughs> <laughs> but there are really pretty places there. Just disclaimer. There are tons of pretty places. There. We, we loved the area we lived in. Um, and the rattlesnakes came mostly in Kansas. So I'll just say that we didn't have any snake issues in Missouri, but anyways, we, we would take these long walks and we had these pecan groves on the property and just, it was so dreamy. You know, all I could think about was horses, like in the fog in the morning, like right across from the house. And we had all these beautiful porches and balconies on the house that we lived in. And 
So anyways, I just started kind of, I don't want to say like vomiting all this creativity, but like everything that was like going through my mind, I just started sharing on social media and sharing photos um, of where we lived then and photos of the ranch. And just, like I said, sort of telling my story. Like I didn't grow up in ranching, but you know, I always say ranching isn't in my blood, but it's definitely in my heart. You know, it's something that grabbed onto me and never let go. And um, the family, the Foshas that I worked for, um, and that's actually where we're getting married in September. Uh, it's so exciting. <laughs> wait, September what? September 17th. Oh, my anniversary is September 4th. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we're doing the 17th because they actually have guests up until the week before that. So that way they have a little break and then brides of the curse can come. It's a, it's a good month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so excited. Especially in Colorado, all the aspens are changing yellow and um, the horses will still be around. So it should be amazing. But anyways, the, the family that owns the ranch um, just totally took me under their wing. They're definitely a second family to me. And I talked a lot about that and things I had learned from them and um, just my time there. And it was, it was really good for me to kind of reminisce and it was super hard, um, for me to not go back there my last summer. So it was kind of nice to be able to sit back and really appreciate the time that I had there and everything that it, it had done for me. So I did about a year of that. So to 2020 then was my first year. Hey, real quick, are you looking to give your Instagram bio a little upgrade? Your bio's the first thing that people see when they come onto your profile, and since we're limited to the number of words we can put in there, we wanna use that space super wisely. Did you know that the average time it takes for someone to decide if they wanna stay on your profile or not is less than three seconds? That's seriously hardly any time at all, which means first impressions are everything. But how the heck do you know what to put in there that makes people wanna stay for more? Don't worry, I got you. I created a free guide that will walk you step-by-step step through what to add and remove from your Instagram bio to make sure that you are converting new followers and getting your people in the right place. It's totally free and I'm holding nothing back. You can get your download by heading over to sarahelrod.com slash Instagram. What the heck are you waiting for, friend? Head to sarahelrod.com slash Instagram and click the link. I really kind of like the ranching thing. I just sort of immersed myself in the whole culture. You know, I looked up ways to grow on Instagram, you know, ways to work with brands, like how to have a media kit, things like that. So I reached out to a local photographer. I had her come out to our place. So like I said, it was so pretty. So she took pictures of me just in barns right at our house there. And I started posting them. That was kind of my first content that I actually created that wasn't just whimsical horse photos, which I have a plethora of. Mm -hmm. um, so I got a pretty good response from that. And I started to really try to engage with people that I saw were successful and were kind of doing what I wanted to be doing. So I started reaching out to them and forming those bonds. So like one big example of that is Natalie Kovarik. So she does a ton of ranching stuff. She's very pro ag on her page. Um, she used to do, and she still does this, a lot of um, Western fashion. But mm -hmm. when I first started following her, she was doing Ranch Wives Beef Co. with Jutana. And they both did a lot of Western fashion. And I was like, this is what I want. I want to yeah. be a female rancher who's just like totally badass, but also just does this amazing 
high end Western fashion. You know, I was so obsessed. So I would reach out to her and just say, I love your content. I want to be you, you know, not being weird, but kind of being weird. You <laughs> Let know, me just, be you. <laughs> yes, yes. But like, I'm obsessed with you. You're the biggest inspiration, you know, whatever. Just kind of forming those bonds because um, one thing that comes with moving around a lot and having different jobs is you're not really able to maintain a lot of friendships and relationships. And it's super tough. So me and Logan obviously met friends and had friends in each place that we've lived, but it's not like when you grow up and live in your hometown and there's just people everywhere that you know, and you can call up and hang out with. So I was forming more friendships kind of virtually and it was fulfilling me creatively being able to, you know, make these posts and come up with really genuine raw captions and content to share with people. And I was forming all these bonds and I grew very quickly in the first year and hit over 10,000 followers. And I felt that most of those were really genuine relationships that I had formed with people. Cause you know, I wasn't really happy with work and things like that. And I was really committing my time when I wasn't working to this, this app, you know, and it sounds funny to say that, but um, I started throughout the year, I started reaching out to bigger brands and I worked with Wrangler and a few other really big brands in my first year, which was huge. Yeah. And I think they kind of just saw what a lot of other people saw. And it was just that genuine, you know, honesty about life and where I was and where I wanted to be. And I do feel like there's a lot of people out there that really want to get into ranching and want to get into, you know, content creation for not only the Western industry, but all kinds of industries. So it was cool and I was able to relate with so many different people, so many different kind of groups of people, but also kind of in one space like that. So um, obviously I continued it last year and I started doing a little more, um, not group shoots, but I went to a few different retreats just to try to network and actually meet some of the people that I was virtual friends with in person. And, um, it was just really neat because last, not this December, but December, 2020 was when I started ranching in Alabama. And it was super cool because all these people that had been following kind of my hopes and dreams along the way, were seeing those things come to fruition. And it was just super cool to be able to share like, okay, now I'm here. I'm doing it. Let's go check these calves, you know? And so I was able to share about all these things I wanted to be doing. Um, and now I was doing, so it was really cool that way. Um, it was definitely challenging to sort of intermingle because I wanted to stay true to the Western fashion stuff that I'd, you know, been doing, but I also really wanted to share about calves and horses and cattle drives. And so I try really to have a, a good mixture um, with social media, they say that you need to have your, your niche. And obviously I feel like mine is ranch life because of my name. And, but for me, ranch life looks like all kinds of things, you know, for me, ranch life is creating Western fashion content, you know, by night and caring for cattle and horses by day. So, um, it's been really cool just to kind of be able to represent, you know, my true self and my true interests and so I feel like that's been kind of a big, a big deal for me, um, as far as growth on social media, just really putting in the effort to try to make relationships and form kind of bonds with other people. And, you know, what I would call friendships, I call a lot of people, my friends, and obviously I've never given them a hug or <laughs> shook their hand or anything, but, um, 
yeah, people that I can confide in and, and ask questions and ask for support whenever it's needed. So it's been really cool. It's definitely something that still fills my creative cup. Um, it is a lot harder now that I'm full-time ranching this past year has been tougher to kind of do the content stuff, but I try to make it work. Usually I schedule once a month or once every other month, um, kind of just a whole day of content creation and work with a photographer and we shoot as much as I can. And then that way, when I'm talking to brands, I say, you know, this is my next shoot next month. And then I can just shoot kind of in mass quantities and have enough content to get to the next shoot. So that seems to work for me now. I do think I need to maybe look into self photography and things like that for, you know, the in-between times when I don't have shoots, but definitely not there yet. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely not something I'm comfortable with, but I have been trying at least for cover photos and stuff like that. Now that reels are such a big deal. Yes. Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts on everything you just said. First of all, I'm so happy you brought up Natalie because it's funny that you like say that she's like your inspiration because I totally could see that. Like she was somebody who I actually found her because of her YouTube channel. Like I found her YouTube channel before I found her Instagram, which is kind of funny. And then I was, cause I don't know. I think I was literally on YouTube, like trying to figure out how to become a first generation cattle rancher. (laughs) And like somehow I ended up on her videos and then I'm like watching them and nerding out on all her like ranching videos and then started following her on Instagram. And yeah, I saw she does fashion and a little bit of everything, but she definitely is one of those influencers, creators, whatever you want to call it. Like that does she's in the ranching industry, but also, you know, touches on fashion. She touches on entrepreneurship and things like that. And I really love her for all of that. Whereas, you know, there's other people where they're only doing fashion, which is great. And like, you know, if that's like what you do and that's your main thing, that's awesome. But I love that she, she does, she covers so many things and I can just, I really could see that. I would totally relate you guys together. So I think that's cool. Um, I appreciate that. That's a high call. <laughs> of course, of course. That's yeah. Of, of inspiration and uh people that I've, you know, been following from the beginning and and trying to uh not really trying to do what they do, but trying to keep up with how well they're doing things cuz I mean, honestly, like I don't know how she does it. <laughs> she's a pharmacist, she's a mom, her freaking kids are so cute. She's always out on the ranch and yeah. yeah. No, she's amazing and she's just the perfect example of somebody that um, is doing something really great in in not only the ranching industry, but I feel in the social media industry as well, you know, and that's kind of where I want to be. Um, I don't know if I have, I mean, I have obviously a stance in agriculture and as an advocate for agriculture, um, I feel like my kind of vibe on social media is a little different as far as not as much educational stuff as hers but that's what I love about hers is I still feel like I'm following her day-to-day life and she still does like the high fashion stuff that's super cool um but there's just that that advocating in there um and all the educational stuff that definitely it I feel like makes it controversial for her but I think that's definitely a point of of growth and a point that you know is is really important because you really have to have controversy to be able to back up your stance and, you know, have kind of something to, to talk about on there and to represent. So yeah, it's been super fun. The the controversial stuff can be something that is 
like helps you grow because I mean, in a weird way, it can get you a lot of engagement because either a lot of people are going to support you on it or a lot of people are going to have something to say against it. <laughs> yes, totally. And that's, it's so true. And it's sad because that, I mean, you know, there's all these like terrible Instagram trolls out there, but really it's a thing. I mean, um, the thing about Montana, I love Montana and it's kind of the same as like with ranching. Some people are very welcoming. Some are not, you know, there's kind of like the gatekeepers of Montana, which is totally fine. I'm not a native ever, you know, there's a lot of transplants here, but I'll be the first to say that I was not born and raised here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a reel that went viral. It had like a million and a half views and it was just me like, joking about like Montana winters, like how I'd be able to handle it yeah. and literally totally joking, you know, whatever. And so many people were just enraged. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. I'm joking. You know, it didn't mean any harm. You guys are tough. I get it. You know, whatever. But it was so funny. I was like, well, you're being rude, but you're actually really helping me grow. Cause I gained like 5,000 followers. From people know, right? just being- if you can like look past all that, you're like, well, thanks for the followers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay. And then I ended up just having to shut the comments off. So I'm like, I can't handle this. I don't, I don't engage in any of the controversy. I just shut her down. So yeah, but it was funny. I was like, you know, you think that you're putting me down and making me feel bad, but really you're just putting my page on the explore page right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so what would you say, I have, I guess like two questions, but so what would you say is something that helped you the most with growing your social media? Cause I know you grew up pretty fast. If you hit 10 K in like a year, like that's pretty good growth in like a year. And so would you say it's just like being consistent? I mean, did reels play a big part in that since you kind of got started in 2020 and I think that's when reels came out. And then on the other note of that, I just wanted to touch on how you said that you do like photo shoots like once a month and scheduling and just inside the content creation world, just kind of take a little peek into that. So we'll start with social media and then we'll go there. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. So, um, as far as I would say my first year, it was really about, so I tried to really like set down my aesthetic, um, and my niche, like, this is what I'm here for. I, and dying to be, you know, a full-time rancher. I want to be a woman in ranching. You know, that was like my stance. I love Western fashion. This is the thing. Like to me, it was kind of like anybody can be a rancher because, you know, there's the woman thing. There's mm-hmm. the first generation thing. And at the time I was living in Missouri. So, you know, there's tons of cattle ranches in Missouri and it's a very agricultural state, but most people don't think, oh, you know, ranching in Missouri, you know, everyone's thinking about Texas or out West, things like that. So I wanted to show people you can ranch anywhere in the country and you can be a woman and you can not be raised in it. So those are the things that I sort of put my foundation out with. And then um, one thing that I think was really good for my growth. So another thing, like a little side thing I did um, to sort of fulfill uh, needs that weren't being met through my professional work was writing freelance for Cowgirl Magazine. So in 2020, I wrote a lot of articles for them. I had a column called The Crafty Cowgirl. And it was all like do-it-yourself things and hacks for the barn and um, recipes for horse treats and things like that. It was just like very horsey, barn-oriented. Um, I'm a very DIYer kind of person. So 
um, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. It was super fun. It was just short little articles. Most of them were um, in the online version of the magazine. But when I started social media, I was already writing for Cowgirl and um, I actually used it as a way to kind of honor friends and small businesses that I had started to get to know. So, you know, I'd start to follow somebody, fall in love with their feed, fall in love with their products, you know, their, whatever they stood for. And then I would write about it in my articles, you know, and say, oh, like this week's feature is, you know, the farm girl from farm girl Ada. Um, I loved her page. I loved her shop. I loved how she incorporated ranch life and family life with her girls and her home decor stuff. And so I would find people that I loved and just loved what they stood for and then feature them on there. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be featured in Cowgirl, you know, because it was me kind of showing my appreciation and my respect for them and my admiration for them, I guess. Um, and then in return, you know, a lot of people were like, wow, that's so cool. You know, who is this Kirsten girl? And, you know, so I would share them and obviously share my um, hashtag ranch life stuff and link the articles um, to my page there. So I do think that was a big thing. Um, Cowgirl Magazine is obviously a pretty big force um, in content creation and people always get pretty excited to be featured on there, whether it's for, you know, whatever reason, but it's definitely a big, a big thing in the industry. So it was really cool to be a part of that and have that opportunity. Once I started ranching full-time, I would have loved to continue it, but I was just like, oh, it's just too much. <laughs> overwhelming yeah I was like taking care of little calves and trying to write alluring captions like okay yeah this is, this is too much so anyways so that kind of I think helped a lot um I also like I said tried to reach out to as many brands as I could big small reach out just say this is who I am this is what I stand for you know what can I do for you what can I do for your brand things like that so I tried to work with as many different brands as I could whether it was just swapping, you know, kind of them sending stuff. I would take photos, send it back or, you know, just doing kind of anything I could to make a name for myself and get my name out there. So that helped a lot in the first year. And then um, 2021, obviously I um, was ranching. So then I was able to create a little more content um, in the ranching industry. So I was expanding kind of my follower base, not just people that were hoping to become ranchers or other first generation ranchers, and dreamers alike, um, but also people that were in ranching. Um, and strangely enough, I actually gained a lot of followers in the Northern Alabama, Georgia region. So I was kind of representing like the agricultural region of that. Cause once again, you don't think of ranching in Alabama, but it's a pretty big operation. Um, so yeah, I think that helped and reels definitely kind of started to become more of a thing and more of a necessary thing. Um, so I just started to do a lot of research on kind of the best approach with reels. Cause at first it was like, here's a cool video and a song I like, you know, and I feel like everybody was kind of in the dark about it. Yeah. And then, you know, once you started to see that the shorter reels were doing better and making something that was funny or different in some way. And so I tried to kind of get the reels thing down pat. Um, and I noticed, I would say last year from like September to November, I went from 15 to 25,000 mm -hmm. followers. So I gained like, I almost doubled my following and I was just consistently making reels, 
um, reels that were relevant to my niche, reels that were, you know, obviously ranch life or Western fashion oriented and as humorous as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that definitely was huge. Um, I did hit, I feel like a little wall. I've been at 25 for a long time now, but I have been taking more breaks, just mental health breaks and breaks too, to kind of sit back and see where I want to be with creating content and reels and things like that. Cause after a while, I feel like I don't ever want to say it gets monotonous, but you want to be original, but it's hard to also be original and stick to your aesthetic and your niche. So, um, yeah, so it's just been one of those things where I've been trying to really see, you know, this year I've kind of committed obviously to wedding vibes, the Western wedding planning stuff, and then ranching lifestyle. Cause those are sort of the two biggest things, most important things to me mm-hmm. this year. Um, and I've tried to commit to more quality collaborations over quantity. Whereas I feel like in the past, like I said, I worked with as many people as I could big, small, you know, whether they were paying or exchanging or doing it for free, anything like that, just to kind of get that experience out there and support as many different businesses as I could. But, um, not that I don't want to support businesses, which of course I do, but trying to just kind of focus on, um, more high quality and I guess, bigger collaborations, ones where I'm doing photos and posts and things like that. And definitely companies that align more with me and my style and my lifestyle. So I've been reaching out to people that definitely, um, are incorporated to the ranching lifestyle. Um, a lot of women owned businesses, a lot of Montana, um, based businesses, trying to kind of narrow down who I collaborate with this year. And then obviously some wedding stuff. So we do have some fun um, style bridal shoots that we're going to do. So I'm working pretty much exclusively um, with Tawny. Tawny Bree photography is her handle. She's a Montana gal. She's turned into one of my best friends and she's she's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you follow her, but she's amazing. So we shoot together monthly. She's doing our engagement photos. She's shooting our wedding. She's coming to Colorado. She's going to be, you know, involved in all my wedding stuff, but we're also doing some styled shoots just to, um, kind of work with bridal brands beforehand. So super excited for the next few months because it's all sort of starting, um, as well as some wedding dress shopping and all of that. So (laughs) fun. Yes. But, um, what was your second question? Oh, so just on like the side of like, um, actually getting into like, as a content creator, I guess, what's, what's kind of your schedule. Cause I know you said it's like shifted and things are obviously a little different depending on the season you're in, but, um, for anybody that maybe is like trying to get into that space and like, they just don't really know like how to plan for shoots or things like that. I'm, I'm just curious how you do it. So do you approach brands as like, or if a brand approaches you and is like, we want to work together, we need this, this, and this, um, you know, you, do you just tell them like, okay, I have one shoot a month right now. Like this is when I'm going to do it. And this is when I'm going to get it to you. Or, Or how does that interaction kind of usually go for you? Um, yeah, so it's definitely different with every brand. Um, and I do know some content creators that um, have brands mostly reaching out to them. I have not been that lucky. I definitely have people reach out to me and I'm very grateful for that. But I would say most of my collaborations come from me reaching out to them and saying, you know, yes, I, I love your product. I love what you stand for. I think that 
um, you would work well into my page as well and kind of my style um, and my lifestyle, you know, and then usually when I approach things, I usually like to kind of either know the company ahead of time, um, have been following them for a while, have products from them already, um, sort of already be a customer. That way I sort of know what they like and what they, you know, what their page is like and what their product truly is like. Cause it's hard to say, you know, your product's great. I've never, ever bought it or ordered it. I never tried it, but it looks great. (laughs) Amazing. So it's really nice to actually, you know, have something from them, whether it's something you just bought or something in the past or whatever. Um, So I usually try to already be a customer. And I also always try to have kind of something in mind for what I can offer them. So I usually say, you know, my upcoming shoot is February 15th and I'm shooting at blah, blah, blah ranch in, you know, three forks, Montana. Um, This is the vibe. This is the theme. Uh, Tawny is the photographer. And, you know, if you'd like to be a part of that and send some items to be in it, you know, this is the price and this is what I can give you. So like, this is, you know, kind of your investment and you can get this amount of photos and feed posts and reels. And, you know, sometimes when I reach out to a brand at first, I'll just say, you know, what are you needing? Do you need reels? Do you need posts? Like, do you need publicity basically? Do you need me just to tag you and say, you know, this is where I got this. I love it. Blah, blah, blah. Link it in the stories. Or do you need content? Do you need me to take photos and send them to you to use? Cause you know, some boutiques, if you look at their Instagram page, if every single product is in a really pretty flat lay on their feed, they're probably not going to pay you to make a bunch of photos to send them because they don't use photos with models. Yeah. You know, they don't use content created by other people because the flat lays are working great for them. So it's, you know, it's silly for me to approach one and say, pay me $300 for all these photos and (laughs) you'll never use them, but they'll be really great. You know, we put a lot of work into the shoots and a lot of effort as far as location and, you know, the whole kind of feel of it. If there's horses or old buildings or, you know, whatever. So, Um, I obviously want it to be worthwhile for the brands as well. So I usually, like I said, try to get a feel for what it looks like they use. If I see a bunch of my friends and fellow creators on their page, you know, looking adorable with a horse, then it's like, boom, I can, I can do that. You know, (laughs) I can do that. I'll try to look as adorable as possible, but I've got lots of horses and, um, yeah, you know, I mean, plenty of pretty scenery around here for sure. So Yeah. I, and my approach usually is, um, like I said, seeing what people need. I send over my media kit just to say, kind of, here's my stats, you know, this, cause a lot of people wonder too about like the age range that you are reaching the most and the demographics as far as men and women and locations in the country. I mean, if, if a boutique's main business is 35 year old women and, you know, my stats are saying that I reach 70% men over the age of 40, which they're not, thank God. Um, I'm not going to work. What kind of content are you putting out to reach 40 year old men? (laughs) (laughs) But really like, you know, it's, it's important. It sounds so silly, but I talked about media kids at a workshop last year and I was like, it sounds really weird, but like you need to put it because if you reach mainly women and if you reach women in that age range where their main customer is, 
then they're going to want to work with you more, you know, and I like to include other brands I've worked with, you know, so if they see, oh, she's worked with that one leather company, we know her, she's great, we know her values, if she's willing to work with Kirsten, then of course we are too, you know, a lot of brands know each other, it's a, it is a small world in some ways, so a lot of people, you know, intermingle and interact, and, you know, if a respectable brand is willing to work with you and has a positive thing to say about it, then it definitely, you know, is good for you. So I usually include my media kit. And then once I get a feel for what they need, I get on Canva. I'm a big Canva gal. It's, it's come a long way. It, you know, first it was rough, but now I feel like a Canva expert. I've just been, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, but yeah, anyway, so I get on Canva, make kind of a little flyer, um, try to make it on theme with whatever the shoot is and then put, you know, every detail. This is the date we're shooting. This is the photographer. This is how like quickly you'll get things. So the turnaround time um, for posts, for photos, whatever they end up wanting. And then I put the numbers for everything below and whether it's an investment situation or we're going to exchange or what, you know, whatever. Everybody has a different budget for influencers. And I think in a perfect world, it'd be great if we all were making a, a fat paycheck with everything, but that's not always the case, you know, and I have a lot of friends with small businesses and sometimes sending product and sending it back is just the best option for everybody, you know, and they can still invest in you without losing product. And, you know, like I said, every business is totally different, big and small. So um, I just try to be thoughtful about what I think they could need and kind of offer that, but say, I'm totally flexible. You tell me what you need. You tell me what your budget is or what you're thinking and I'll work with you because you know, if you're reaching out to somebody to work with them, you obviously want to work with them. So the desires are there to form that relationship. So, so yeah, that's kind of the process that I go through. I do think it's really important to have a media kit that has a lot of information, but is also representative of you and like you as a brand, because as far as content creators go, you know, I mean, not everybody has an actual business that's like a small business or has, has a name or, or a podcast, you know, so in a way I am my brand, you know, hashtag ranch life is the the brand that I guess I'm trying to make a name for. So it's just, I think everything you do needs to be kind of representative of that. And that's the biggest advice that I always give people is just stay really genuine to who you are and who your brand is and, you know, how you want to be conceived. And if it aligns with brands and small businesses and big businesses, then you'll work together, you know, cause it's just, it's just more natural that way. So. Oh, I love it. You are full of so much knowledge and I, I just <laughs> love getting to go into depth of like that side of things. Cause it's not something, I mean, kind of like how we talked about like the whole gatekeeping thing with ranching. I think it can be the same thing with content creation and for sure you know, influencing and the whole Western fashion. And there's a lot of people trying to break into that industry and there's a lot of gatekeeping happening. And, and, you know, I think there's a time and place and everyone does things differently. And if you don't want to share information, then like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I'm just, I'm happy that we were able to like talk about some of those things. Cause I know that's something that a lot of people, you know, all those little details here and there, they don't know, like reaching out to brands. You know, I think a lot of people just assume that everybody's coming to you and people are reaching out to you. Yes. You know, I think that's a big one is, is realizing, no, you might have to put in the work and actually reach out to them. 
Right. And like put in, put in the genuine work, you know, like sliding into the DMs and being like collab question mark is yeah. not the best thing. No, send them your media kit, look at their profile, like buy something from them, have some, some feet, to, some legs to stand on, you know, just to be able to kind of say like, I've got your back and you can trust me to represent your brand. And, yeah. and, you know, make sure they know it. Cause I've worked with a lot of small businesses and in my first year, I'll be super honest. I, had no idea how to approach brands. So sometimes I was like the person in the DMs that was just like, I never did collab question. (laughs) (laughs) I love your product or I love your store. You know, I think that we'd be great together. Let's work together, you know? And even though it was coming from a genuine place, there's just so much more that you can do to make an impact and to, to show that you really want to work with them besides just, you know, hoping that they'll look at your page and be like, well, she looks trustworthy. (laughs) And it makes you stand out. Like if you're going that extra mile to like email them and send them, you know, this whole like mood board from the photo shoot and everything that you have going on, that kind of stuff makes you stand out versus the 500 people that probably are sending them a DM that are like, please send me stuff, you know? (laughs) So, and just be open. Cause like, that's the thing. Every business is going through their own lifespan. You know, they might have a huge influencer business or, or, or budget, but Maybe they don't want to put that much money down on something, you know, maybe your content aligns with them, but you, you know, worked with other brands that maybe aren't quite, you know, brands that they want to be associated with. You know, there's so many things that go into it. So you really have to just do your research and, and go into each collaboration with the thought that you're forming a relationship with this business. You're not just trying to get something free or just trying to wear their stuff and whatever, you know, it's really, you're forming that relationship because I would say, I don't know, a lot of the brands I've worked with, I've worked with multiple times because that's what you want. You want to show them that you're trustworthy, show them what you're made of, you know, get a photographer that's great or be great at doing it yourself and really keep creating really great cohesive content for them. And then they'll keep coming back. You know, I mean, some of the best, collaborations that I've had are repeat customers, you know, and that have become friends because that's what you want. You want to be like, Hey gal, but I already know that I've met in person, you know, I've seen your product. I've worn it. I've made lots of photos and posts for you. And now I want to, because I love you, you know, not because you have this really cute new jacket that came out. That's just a perk. That's just a perk. (laughs) So anyways, I, I just feel like that's one of the biggest lessons that I have learned is forming relationships and being super genuine with your intentions, not just going into it because you want free stuff because there's just so much more to it. And that's, that's not even close to the the most rewarding part of, of making content and, you know, being a part of social media, you know, it's really, for me, at least it's been all the relationships. I mean, I feel like I've made so many friends and so many people that have had my back and been there and you know just when I've had projects or had you know dreams of my own for other things I've had just so many people to choose from to turn to and ask for advice or support or you know I've been working on this new project lately which I'm supposed to be getting a pre-order out for like this week (laughs) and it's just not happening you heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) shameless plug here shameless 
Um, I made this book. So right now, a few different people are sampling it. It's called the Content Creation Concierge. It's the lamest name ever. I <laughs> saw somebody post about it and I was so Good. stoked. Good. So yeah, so it's, I made two versions, one for influencers, one for small business owners, because I feel like it's got to be confusing on both ends. I don't own a small business, but like, I can't imagine working with influencers and trying to keep up with it because I can barely keep up with it on my own. I have like a little notebook with all these scratches and check marks and it's just madness. And when life is busy, you know, the worst thing in the world is to look at your little notebook and be like, oh, I was supposed to post for so-and-so last month and never did. And now they think that I don't care about their brand or don't, you know, want to take this seriously. But I do, I just, you know, am living this busy life. So anyways, basically it's just a workbook to use. I'm, I'm very into lists and checklists. I love scratching things off. So it's kind of a horsey Western themed notebook. It's got a calendar and just lists for everything with every collaboration. There's like a page that you can say, you know, this is the terms we came to the theme, the photographer, the date that we signed the contract, you know, there's little check marks everywhere. And Oh, I just literally made it for myself. No joke. Made it to keep my sanity. And I was like, wait, somebody else out there could use this. So yeah. So I sent out some of each type and I'm working really hard to finish a website, but it's just, I'm just not technologically advanced. So the website thing is so rough. So shout out to anyone out there that like, <laughs> It's good with websites. Yeah. Whoever wants to design a website, here you go. Yeah. I like rust colored things and ranch life theme. Please. Thank you. No, it's, and I'm just so OCD about stuff. It's like, oh, I don't want that photo. No, no, that looks right. You know, it's like, oh gosh, mm. I, it's yeah, it's a battle, but it'll happen. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. No, I'm so yeah. happy for you. I'm yeah. very excited to like have that come out and see it and everybody should get their hands on it. Cause that's exciting. Awesome. Hopefully, pay for my wedding dress. <laughs> right. Exactly. We got a wedding to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, seriously, Carson, thank you so much for just like being just one. So like friendly and bubbly and just fun to talk to. I, it's one of those things where like you follow somebody, but you never really know like what their yeah. personality is going to be like. And <laughs> you, I mean, you're just been so easy and fun to talk to. So I really appreciate you for that. And, uh, go ahead. And I mean, I think we've said your <laughs> Instagram handle a million times already, but <laughs> why don't you go ahead and throw out like any places people can find you online. You're welcome to shameless plug anything you got going on. We kind of already did that too, but now's your yeah. chance. <laughs> yes. So I'm Kirsten. I'm hashtag ranch life on Instagram. That is kind of my main spot. So you can follow me there. I am working on a website, like I mentioned, but yeah, it's a slow process. It's yeah. It's just, you know, it's okay. not good when you're a perfectionist. So anyways, I'm trying my best. It will be coming out soon. So there will be a second place, but for now, Instagram is my hub. And yes, I appreciate uh, you taking time to talk to me. I'm glad we finally got to talk. It's been so nice. It sounds so funny because obviously we're just on Zoom here, but it's so nice to have like some social interaction and just talk to somebody that's nice and fun and has similar interests. So I appreciate you so, so much. 
Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. To stay up to date on the show, give input, ask questions, and more, make sure to join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can also follow us on Instagram and check out all of the show notes by going to sarahelrodblog.com slash brandedcowgirlpodcast. That's sarahelrodblog.com slash brandedcowgirlpodcast. And if you have not yet, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that this show can continue to grow and get into the ears of more Western creatives just like you. All right, y'all, I will see you in the next one.